Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service is offering online CEU opportunities. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Texas High Plains cotton did take a hit from last week's frigid and wet weather, but it wasn't a knockout punch. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Fruit and sugarcane harvest in deep south Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Well, the world holds its breath as a fall round of the coronavirus seems to be showing up. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and we'll take a look at its effect on Texas agriculture in my report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories along with the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with a look at news headlines. Do you need CEUs? The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service is offering the opportunity for people to earn five CEUs online from November 1st through December 31st via five recorded webinars. Three IPM CEUs and two general CEUs are available. Cost is $10 per webinar. Topics are range and pasture application technology, pasture weed management, range and pasture herbicide updates, vine identification, and why herbicide treatments fail. The webinars can be found at texasrangewebinars.tamu.edu. That is texasrangewebinars.tamu.edu. Farmers were feeling more optimistic about current and future conditions last month, according to the Purdue University and CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. The barometer rose to an all-time high in October. The late summer, early fall rally in commodity prices, coronavirus aid program payments, good yields, and higher crop prices led to the increase in sentiment. 25% of farmers surveyed said their farm is better off financially now than at the same time last year. 27% of respondents expect land values to rise over the next year. The Ag Economy Barometer is based off of survey responses from 400 U.S. farmers and ranchers that were gathered October 19th through 23rd. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Fruit harvest is underway in deep south Texas. Tom Nicoletti has an update. Today we go to the Texas Rio Grande Valley and Jim Hearn is reporting for us on uh, activity uh, in the southernmost uh, region of the state. And uh, uh, Jim, uh, grapefruit harvest is uh, an orange harvest uh, well underway. And so uh, tell us what citrus producers are are reaping uh, from uh, their groves out there. Well, thank you, Tom. Pleasure to be with you today. And uh, it's a busy time for valley producers. Our citrus harvest is underway, both oranges and grapefruit. 
Now, you'll remember Hurricane Hannah did a pretty good number on the citrus industry here in the valley. Uh, grapefruit, a lot of it was blown off the trees with the 80-mile-plus winds that we experienced with Hannah. And the oranges, though, fared a lot better, uh, a lot smaller, and they, they were able to take the, the strong winds. So that is that is going on. This time of year, a lot of our fruit is going into the fundraiser and uh, gift market. And uh, then, of course, uh, other shipments uh, to other states as well. So it is a busy time for harvesting here in the Valley. Right now, the fruit looks good, maybe a little smaller than we'd like to see it. But certainly, uh, it looks like a good crop in the making. Certainly, uh, the grapefruit and oranges are good for various uh, baskets that are uh, assembled for the holidays. Yes, there's quite a gift fruit uh, basket industry here in the valley for those folks who have hard to buy for christmas people uh, a good citrus basket is always uh, is always a treat also being harvested in the valley is sugarcane and of course sugarcane is uh, uh, pretty much an exclusive uh, crop uh, here in texas that is only grown pretty much in the rio grande valley uh, right, and uh, we have about 40,000 acres, maybe a little less, and uh, right now we're going to start harvesting, and they'll harvest that well into next year. Uh, the sugar cane crop looks good, uh, not uh, too much impact from the bad weather. You know, one of the crops that with Hannah that was impacted uh, tremendously was our cotton crop. Uh, the valley lost about 92% of our crop uh, due to Hurricane Hannah, and we still see a lot of the uh, cotton still left on top of the ground that's been plowed up several times. And uh, normally we would produce around 380,000 bales of cotton. Uh, this year we produced about 26,000. So uh, quite, a, uh, uh, quite a loss for the cotton industry. As far as sorghum and corn go, that harvest was complete. So there was a silver lining. That certainly was it. We had our first mini cool down uh, the fall season. Uh, it was about 48 hours. Uh, temperatures uh, did get down into the upper 40s. Uh, that was uh, that was kind of a shock for a lot of the folks. But uh, we're warming back up. Daytime highs are still in the upper 80s uh, for the most part. We're very dry. We do need a good rain, and and it can't come too soon. That's Jim Hearn reporting for us today from the Rio Grande Valley. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. How is the coronavirus affecting Texas agriculture? Barry Mahler explores that question from Wichita Falls. Even though the COVID outbreak of the last few months didn't exactly shut down the ag industry, it has left its mark. Farming and ranching proper fit into that necessary or essential category. Livestock still have to be cared for, and harvesting and planting can't wait while the world was told to shelter in place. Most dramatic damage came from the disruption of markets due to shutdowns or slowdowns in transportation and processing. I've talked to producers who had cattle and feedlots just about ready to go to market when the meat packers had large outbreaks of the virus, and kill floors were either shut down completely or at least slowed down considerably. Now, when there's nowhere to go with the product, the cattle have to continue to be fed, causing them to grow past the weight level that's desired by the market. That forces them to a lower price level when processed. And the lower price is with increased cost of additional days on feed. Well, you can see just any profit that was planned is out the window. Even though the processing numbers have continued to grow, they're still working through a backlog of cattle, just as the current fall outbreak of the virus seems to have arrived. The same slowdown of livestock processing has also slowed production of needed materials for most all sectors of the economy. Parts, supplies, they're low in stock. 
high in demand, so any input purchased now will cost a little more. That's especially true in the building industry as they try to overcome lower production due to shorter number of workers in the plants and high demand due to hurricane damage across the country. It may not be the best time to be planning to put a new roof on the barn. I've seen droughts, floods, storms of all kinds that our farmers and ranchers have had to rebound from, but nothing in my lifetime even comes close to the problems caused by a tiny little virus and the grip that it's taken on our world. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Mahler for Farm Bureau Roundup. This is a week of political uncertainty, but one thing is for sure. There will be a new chairman of the House Agriculture Committee in Washington next year. That's because the current chairman, Democrat Colin Peterson of Minnesota, was defeated Tuesday night by his Republican challenger, Michelle Fishbaugh. Minnesota Farm Bureau Director of Public Policy Amber Hansen Glaser says Chairman Peterson has been a champion of agriculture for many years. Chairman Peterson has served Minnesota agriculture and agriculture across the country so well and has made such a big impact um, for farmers and ranchers. And he will be missed. His leadership and experience will definitely be missed in the Ag Committee. Uh, We're looking forward to working with uh, Congresswoman-elect Fishbach, though, um, and getting to work with her, and she has said that she's going to ask to be on the Ag Committee, so that will be that will be good from that perspective. Yeah, but definitely a big loss in CD7 with um, the chairman uh, not being reelected this year. Randy Russell of the Russell Group says if you combine the loss of Peterson along with the retirements of Senate Ag Committee Chairman Pat Roberts of Kansas and the retirement of our own former House Ag Committee Chairman Mike Conaway here in Texas, both the Senate and the House Ag Committees have lost decades of experience in this election cycle. If you look at Colin Peterson, he has been in Congress for 30 years and as two-time chairman of the House Ag Committee, Pat Roberts, who is retiring, has been in Congress, either the House or Senate, for 40 years and uh, been chair of both committees. Mike Conaway, retiring, has been in Congress 15 years. If you take those three members, that's 85 years worth of experience, wisdom, knowledge, leadership that is no longer there. Now, obviously, others will step up and I'm sure do a very good job, but it's hard to fill those shoes, that void of three people that have been such strong advocates for production agriculture in the food industry. Russell says there will be several new faces on both the House and Senate Ag Committees come January. Experts say USDA's next crop forecast for corn, soybeans, and cotton should bring us very close to what the final production numbers will be. Gary Crawford has more from Washington. USDA is wrapping up its survey work for next week's new production forecast for this season's corn, soybean, and cotton crops. Lance Honig heads the crops branch of USDA's statistics service. He told us... We've been busy reaching out to about 8,000 producers across the country, asking them to give us updates on their expectations of yield for the season. And for many farmers, these are not expectations. They are finished or very close to finishing the harvest. So in most cases, these producers are actually giving us yield information based on their actual harvest results. So we have farmer surveys. But in addition to that, we've also got our trained enumerators out in nearly 4,000 sample plots, specifically for corn, soybeans, and cotton across the major growing areas. They're running counts and doing measurements and harvesting samples for lab analysis. So really getting a lot of finality around these numbers. So the USDA projections should be pretty close to what the final actual production will be. Those projections coming out Tuesday the 10th, noon Eastern Time. Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. White-tailed deer hunting season opens this weekend. 
I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you're weaning your calves this fall, you need to keep a close eye on them. Dr. Bob Judd has more on fall weaning coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you're weaning springborn calves this fall, you need to keep a very close eye on them. They can get sick in a heartbeat. Dr. Bob Judd has some advice on weaning those calves. Weaning is a stressful time for calves, and these calves should be checked for illness at least daily. Many times folks wean these calves and feel all they need to do is feed them. However, observing these calves closely will allow you to pick out sick calves earlier and be more successful in treatment. When these calves come up to eat at the feed bunk, check to make sure all calves are aggressively eating, and calves that have discharge from the eyes may have pink eye, which can be treated with antibiotics. Probably the most common disease with newly weaned calves is respiratory disease, and these calves will have nasal discharge, maybe coughing, and are certainly breathing hard. These calves need to be examined immediately and treated with appropriate antibiotics, as many will have pneumonia. Checking their manure is also a good idea to determine if there's any blood in the stool. Blood in the stool can indicate an infection with coccidia, which is a protozoan parasite and is very contagious, so may require treatment of the entire herd. Observe for diarrhea, as regardless of the cause, diarrhea can lead to dehydration in some calves. Calves that overeat can also develop acidosis, which will have an effect on intestinal function and can lead to bloat. Lastly, observe the calves walking, as it is not uncommon for the newly weaned calves coming off summer pasture to develop foot rot, especially if the calves congregate in one area. Observing these weaning calves closely can allow you to save more calves and will decrease treatment costs in the long run. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Well, this weekend is one of my favorite times of the year. White-tailed deer season opens. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The general white-tailed deer hunting season opens Saturday. Alan Kane, white-tailed deer program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, encourages people who plan on hunting to prepare their guns and other gear. Obviously, hunters need a valid hunting license, so if you haven't purchased one for this year, I would go out and do that. Again, those folks that don't have hunter education that are required to do so, there should be some classes. Some of them are online, but you ought to be able to go to our website. I think they have a list of all the different hunter education classes out there. It's best if you go to the 
rifle range and make sure your firearm is sighted in appropriately and that you feel comfortable using that particular firearm. That just helps out when it comes to making a good shot on the animal and feeling comfortable and confident that you can do that. Hunters should also check out OutdoorAnnual.com or use the Outdoor Annual app to look up hunting regulations in the county they will be hunting in. Bag limits vary depending on the county that you're hunting in. The bag limit in South Texas, or at least those South Texas counties, is a five-year bag limit. No more than three bucks is part of that bag limit. So you could kill any combination of bucks and does up to a total of five deer with no more than three of those being bucks. In the hill country, the bag limit is still five deer, but no more than two bucks. That Oak Prairie area between, say, Seguin and Houston, north and south I-10. The bag limit is four deer, no more than two antlers, and two bucks, and, but the bucks have antler restriction requirements. So either one with a 13-inch spread, inside spread or greater, or a deer with an unbranched antler. That was Alan Kane for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's been a good week for the cattle market so far. Cattle futures closing higher once again on Wednesday. The cotton market taking a cautious breather while the grains take another jump higher. We'll update you on all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market has been climbing all week, and Wednesday was no exception. We continued to make up for some of those big losses we had a couple of weeks ago. We're finally back into the territory we were in before we had those losses. December live cattle up five cents on Wednesday, closing at 107.87. February up 47 cents, 110.77. The April up 97. 11467. Even bigger gains in feeder cattle on Wednesday. November feeders up a dollar fifty-seven, one thirty-seven seventy. January up a dollar ninety-seven, one thirty-five fifteen. The March up a dollar seventy-two at one thirty-four eighty-seven. Cash fed cattle trade quiet on Wednesday. We do see the feedlots asking 109 to 110. No bids from the packers so far. We had the online fed cattle exchange on Wednesday. They had 634 head offered. A couple of loads of heifers here in Texas sold for 106.75 to 107 and a quarter. But that was it. Just a 296 head in those two lots. Boxed beef prices higher choice up 83 cents to 1027 select up a dollar 9 196.54 Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now Four County Auction Center in Industry Texas sold 734 head this week the trend steady to higher 2 to 3 weight steers a dollar 20 to a dollar 85 a pound 3 to 4 weight steers a dollar 5 to a dollar 70 4 to 500 pounders a dollar to a dollar 70 Five to six weight steers, ninety cents to a dollar thirty-eight, with six to seven weights bringing ninety to a dollar twenty-six. 
Slaughter cows, 20 to 58 cents. Slaughter bulls, 65 to 87. Stocker cows brought 370 to 1125 a head. Cow calf pairs, 750 to 1275 a pair. East Texas livestock in Crockett sold 1,512 head. The trend was steady to higher with two to three weight steers, $1.41 to $1.80. Three to four hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-eight to a dollar eighty. Four to five weight steers, a dollar twenty to a dollar sixty-eight. Five to six weights brought a dollar fifteen to a dollar fifty-one. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar seven to a dollar thirty-three. Slaughter cows, thirty-six to sixty-two cents. Slaughter bulls, seventy-four to ninety-one. Stocker cows, seven forty to twelve hundred a head. Cow calf pairs, nine seventy-five to thirteen fifty a pair. Now back over to the futures market. Lean hogs closed the day higher on Wednesday, December up 95 cents, 66.35. February hogs up a dollar 47, 67 even. Class three milk was lower, December down four cents, 2018 100 weight. The cotton market closed slightly lower. In fact, the two nearby contracts only one point lower. A lot of jitters in the market over the presidential election. Also, traders waiting for USDA's Thursday morning weekly export sales report. Last week, that number was 225,000 contracts. Pakistan, the top buyer, with 125,000 bales. December cotton down one point, closing at 70.23. March cotton down one, 71.19. The grain markets finishing higher. Kansas City wheat continuing to get support from dry weather in the Russian wheat growing areas, as well as a lot of dry areas here in the U.S. Of course, we have gotten some recent moisture, but the overall crop condition ratings dropped this week on winter wheat. We closed with December Kansas City wheat up two and three quarters, 559 and three quarters. July wheat up three and a half, 575 a bushel. The corn market closing higher. December corn up four and a quarter, 405 and a quarter. Now let's check the energy markets. December natural gas unchanged at 306. December crude oil up $1.30, 3896 a barrel. The financial markets higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 369 points, 27,849. The NASDAQ up 430 at 11,590. The S&P 500 up 74, 3,443. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I sure appreciate you listening, and I want to invite you to come back right here tomorrow. We'll have all the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.